Welcome to Food Connection, the podcast where we talk about all things food and cooking and chat with our favorite Phoenix chefs. I am Pascal Dionneau, the co-host with Chef Lou Swartz and Danielle Sanders. So I'm here with Chef Lou Swartz for another episode of Food Connection. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm good. You're still not talking close I'm enough. I'm not talking close <laughs> enough. I'm not loud enough, folks. Um, so we are approaching Thanksgiving, and I thought it would be good to get some Thanksgiving tips and tricks from a pro. Oh, Lord. So... Who'd you invite? <laughs> that's why you're here. Oh, boy. So where do you want to start? With the bird? Uh, always start. <laughs> Give them the bird first, right? So. <laughs> That's uh, it's kind of like driving on the 101. Start off with the bird, and okay. then it goes from there. So, I guess it, it all depends on on what you're looking to do with uh, with your Thanksgiving turkey. A lot of people don't have the uh, the experience of working with one, you know, and sometimes it's their first time actually uh, working with uh, a turkey. So it's one of those things where you don't have the experience. You, you might get a little intimidated by it, but don't don't be uh, intimidated whatsoever it's just like cooking a chicken just a little larger so if you're looking for the traditional turkey you know where you can stand at the end of the table and carve it and get the the nice little polaroid photos yeah. do they even do polaroids no. anymore no actually yes so polaroids are <laughs> coming back in style now so now you can go to, to like urban outfitters oh my god and get a Polaroid camera. Oh my god. Yeah, don't waste your time on that. Uh, we're digressing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fancy word for saying we're, <laughs> off, we're off topic. The best thing to do is, like I said, it all depends on what you want to, want to do with the turkey. If you're looking to get the photo, that's where we, that's where we went off track. Okay. So if you're looking to get the photo, you know, and, and leave the whole get turkey. Get Instagram photo. Exactly. So if you're looking to do that, uh, leave your turkey whole. And there's lots of different ways you can do it. I mean, you can brine it, which, you know, you can get a recipe offline for that. I mean, it's simple. It's wa- you know, cold water, salt, uh, aromatics put into there, and then you kind of soak your turkey, you know, for at least uh, 24 hours, uh, drain it out, uh, wash it off a little bit, and then, uh, you know, roast it in the oven just like you normally would. It, it kind of helps flavor-wise. It, you know, makes it a little bit more moist. Um but you don't really need to do that. Uh, you can you can just kind of clean it, you know, get rid of. Make sure you get the the bag out of the the, the turkey because that is not stuffing. I've seen uh, the you know the America's Funniest Home videos where the lady thinks, oh, uh, you know, the turkey already came with stuffing. It's like mm, there's something stuffed up there, but that ain't turkey. Uh, that's not the you know filling of any sort. So that's uh, you want to kind of take that out. But uh, you know, just make sure that you. If you're gonna do it that way, just season it well. Salt, uh, you know, kosher salt, uh, cracked black pepper. Uh, use a lot of fresh herbs in there. You know, whether you're putting it inside the the cavity of the the bird itself, or taking some of the leaves, chopping it up finely, putting it underneath the skin, right up against the flesh of the the bird itself. And um, the stems you can use to put in the roasting pan as well to give more aromatics to the to the bird. And just cook it till it's beautiful and done, and you know you can either follow the thermometer that comes with the bird, or you can actually go out and buy one. And always remember, when you cook it, it's going to continue to cook when you take it out of the oven. So residual cooking usually kind of takes it five to ten degrees above where you pull it out. So if you're pulling it out around 160, it all depends. I mean, like I said, uh, where the hell am I going with this? 
I just lost it. The bird. The bird. Um, Still clouds 5 to 10 degrees. 5 to 10 degrees. There we go. We're back on track. All right, so it, it's going to continue to go 5 or 10 degrees when you take it out of the oven. So, you know, pull it out a few degrees under, let it rest, and that's the most important thing right there. you got to let it rest. If you don't let it rest and you try to carve it immediately, you're going to, you know, get up against the bone. It's going to be undercooked, and, and you don't want that. So let it rest, and the the proper kind of method for resting is we always say like at least a quarter to a third of the time that it was in the oven so if it was in in the oven for three four hours you're gonna let it rest for you know close to close to an hour i mean just let it uh, let it go then you can just kind of flash it back in the oven if you want and uh, warm it back up and then carve it but just let it rest enough time you know uh, while it's resting that's when you can kind of drain out any juices that are in there scrape up all the yummy goodness in there and that's when you make your uh, your gravy and you know and uh, have it ready to go so don't get intimidated by it and uh, we always say if you have any questions you can always call us and uh, we'll be more than happy to answer any questions for you you can call the butterball hotline you know and they're they're always dependable and um We'll make your Thanksgiving a, a success, so don't panic, don't freak out by it, and um, yeah, just remember, it's just as, as simple as that. So, okay, turkey, turkey, turkey's, turkey's, turkey's done. done. Turkey's what about done. deboning a turkey? <clears throat> you can debone a turkey. It's just like deboning a chicken. Uh, obviously, you know, just just size, size does matter. So use a slightly uh, larger knife if you need to. You know, a nice carving knife to kind of get into into there and take the. The, the flesh off the bone and then you can roast the bone make your stock with that so you have like a nice dark uh, turkey stock and then you can use that to one to make your gravy two also to flavor your stuffing if you're not stuffing the bird with your bread and whatever else and I always highly recommend that you do not do that because then you got to take the stuffing out anyway and you got to cook it to get it to 165 degrees because you got to kill salmonella that's basically flavoring your your stuffing that's the only way to look at it. i mean yeah. it's all the all that drip all the juice and everything it's going inside of the the stuffing that's why it takes so long people have to cook that to get it to a certain temperature and then your bird dries out but your stuffing's cooked all the way through if you're going to do it that way remove the stuffing it's going to get the flavor then you got to cook it anyway so i always do it on the uh, on the outside so if you're going to do the the boning the turkey you'll have plenty of stock to flavor your stuffing so it's going to give it that nice flavor of the turkey and you can just bake it for half hour or so and then just kind of i always remove uh, aluminum foil at the end of it and just kind of crisp it up a little bit so it kind of gets that nice crust on the outside of the on the on the stuffing and that's just a traditional bread stuffing so i mean there's different stuffings you can do i mean i know that we're going to probably talk about that as well so yes yes well good well, segue yeah i know nice segue way, stuff ways speaking us speaking of stuffing so you have your traditional stuffing and your cornbread stuffing your cornbread stuffing cornbread stuffing's awesome uh i make the cornbread and you can flavor that and put anything that you want in there you know fresh corn jalapenos cilantro whatever you're throwing into there to kind of give it some more oomph a little bit more flavor and then after it cools i dice that up I let it dry. You can toast it to kind of get it a little bit more dry, and then do the same thing. You make your stuffing, you know, flavor it with your stock and herbs and whatever else you're putting in there. And you can put. In this case, we're selling it uh, with a chorizo. Mm -hmm. So we're doing a chorizo. We're going to cook our chorizo 
fold that into our uh, stuffing, into our cornbread mix after the you know after we dry it and everything else of that, um, and then fresh herbs, uh, celery, onion, uh, kind of all cooked into there. So it's going to be a really nice uh, stuffing mix to go along with the turkey. So it's almost like a Southwest kind of a flair to Thanksgiving, which which is awesome. And that's that's the thing you know with doing uh, stuffing. You know you can make it kind of regional. Uh, on the East Coast, they stuff it with what the uh, clams, right? Um, or oysters, oysters. Um, I'm not a big fan of that, uh, but uh, some people are. They, they they like that kind of stuff, but uh, I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, that doesn't sound. <clears throat> no, great no, to me. not everybody. No, it's not for everybody. But that, like I said, it's a it's a regional uh, it's a regional thing. So, um, but it's not for me. I came from the East Coast, but nah, I don't want that. So I'm good. Okay, so that's stuffing. So for a traditional stuffing, if you didn't want to do stovetop, you just mm-hmm. take bread. You can take uh, some just some good old-fashioned crusty bread and kind of uh, break it up. I always find it easy to let the kids kind of do that. And uh, they break it into a bowl, let it dry. And the more you let it dry, the more juice is going to soak up, which is, you know, what you want anyway. And I always wind up cooking uh, celery and onions, some fresh thyme. And I kind of uh, sweat that down nicely in a good amount of butter, salt, pepper, and uh, a little bit of garlic as well. So it all kind of sweats down. And then I mix that in together with the the uh, the bread and whatever amount of turkey stock it takes to kind of really soak the bread. And a little bit of, I do put a splash of milk and uh, a few eggs in there as well. So it's almost like... It's almost like a kind of like a custardy kind of uh, consistency is what I usually go for. And then I bake it in the oven 300 degrees until it's set. And it usually takes about a half an hour. So if you're looking at a, a Pyrex dish, let's say a 9 by 13 Pyrex dish, it's, it's going to take about a half an hour to kind of really bake up and, and make nice for, uh, for stuffing. And if you're looking to do, you know, a good amount of stuffing, you know, you can always buy the the uh, aluminum pans, mm-hmm. the disposable ones, and it's probably going to take, I think it's like two loaves of bread, you know, just regular good old-fashioned bread, break that up, uh, dry it, and then, you know, by the time it all gets soaked and packed down, it's about two loaves of bread. Wow, that's some serious wind yeah. up there. <laughs> and then, like I said, a few eggs into that, some milk, and uh, stock, and just soak it all up and, and bake it, and it's about a half hour, 45 minutes for a, a deeper dish uh, aluminum pan. And then just unwrap it at the end for about 10 or 15 minutes in the oven so it kind of crusts up a little bit. And then uh, it's ready to go. Got it. Got it. It's easy. Okay. So we got the bird. We got the stuffing. Mashed potatoes. You can do mashed potatoes. I mean, that's kind of a... I always it's a staple. It, it is a st- eh, certain houses, I guess. In I mean, my house is staple. it's it's wonderful. It's it's just a lot of. I mean, yeah, and you're gonna roll off. I mean, uh, roll out of the the chair and onto the couch, and okay. hopefully watching the Cowboys get their asses kicked uh, in the in the football game on Thursday. But uh, it's one of those things where it. I guess it all depends on what side dishes you you grew up with. Occasionally, we used to do mashed potatoes, but uh, if you're doing mashed potatoes, just remember a good amount of butter, either heavy cream or or whole milk in there. Uh, Just kind of give it some nice creaminess. Cook your potatoes, peel them off, make sure you wash them after you peel them, and then uh, you can leave them whole and cover it with cold water. Make sure it's cold water, because what's going to happen is when you bring that to a boil and then let it simmer until they're tender, 
if you start it in hot water, the outside of the potato cooks quicker and the inside of the potato is going to be brick hard. So you want it to kind of cook evenly. So starting it in cold water is going to help cook it uh, evenly. So do it that way. And like I said, let it cook. Don't boil the hell out of it that you wind up with uh, milky water because your potatoes are falling apart. Is you lose a lot of the volume, and then just as soon as you drain it, you know, yeah. half of your potatoes, mashed <laughs> potatoes are going down the drain. So, you know, bring it to a boil, let it simmer, and then, you know, keep a either a skewer or, or a paring knife along there. Test your potatoes to see if they're cooked all the way through. If it goes in, comes out clean and easy, they're cooked. Don't uh, You don't have to cook it any further. Strain them, uh, mash them, butter. You know, you can either have your butter hot and melted with a little bit of cream or whatever on the side ready to go and just kind of pour it into there till you get to the consistency you can also if you want to dry them out a little bit in other words if you feel that your potatoes might be a little bit on the the watery side you can put them back in a, a pan dry them over a low heat uh, keep stirring them constantly so you kind of dry the, the potato out and then you can add your cream and butter and all that other good stuff in there so it does help a little bit and if you wanted to make your potatoes ahead of time, you can just make the puree, right? And then add the milk the, ne the next day? I, uh, <clears throat> the easiest way that I find to, when, whenever doing mashed potatoes in a uh, in restaurant, you can actually make them creamed out and ready to okay. go. And it makes it easier. I mean, you get it to the right consistency, and then you can chill it. If you're going to do that, make sure you lay it in a dish that's going to be, you know, less than or two inches thick or less because, you know, you want it to cool down uh, quickly and get underneath the, the temperature, you know, get out of the danger zone. Yes. So any of the health inspectors listening, hi, Diane. Um, you can just say we, we cooled it down and and uh, you, you stay within the, the, the safe zone. Nobody's going to die from eating your old your mashed potatoes. But once they're creamed and ready to go, I mean, all you got to do is just kind of reheat it in a, in a pan. And if you made them creamy enough the night before, you don't have to add anything else really to it. But if you do, then just add a splash of cream into the pan first, kind of get that warmed up, and then add your potatoes to it, and then stir that up, and then, you know, get it to the consistency that you're looking for. So you can actually do a lot of this stuff ahead of time. That's good. Um... Same with your stuffing, too. Cranberry sauce. Cranberry sauce, yes. If you like that stuff in a can, it's perfect. The fancy ridges. Yeah, you just kind of out of the can, and then it's already marked for slicing. It's perfect, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a big fan of it. I actually, you know, I like fresh cranberries. So I usually, I do that ahead of time. Like, you can do that weeks ahead of time yeah. if you really wanted to. And then just it just sets it, the flavors kind of come together. Best way to do it, fresh cranberries, make sure you get all those uh, nasty little stems and whatever else out of it or any nasty, you know, soft or, you know, the, yeah. you get the occasional, you know, cranberry that's not so not so good. So fresh cranberries, orange zest, the juice of the orange, brown sugar, regular sugar, a little uh, touch of cinnamon and nutmeg into there. Pascal's favorite, so. And then, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, extra cinnamon, extra nutmeg and clove. He loves that kind of stuff. So, uh, make it kind of you know make it a little uh, spicy as far as that's concerned. So a good amount of that stuff into there. It's all about your taste of what you're looking to do, and just let that cook till the cranberries kind of burst and pop and and stir it occasionally. Uh, make sure it's on a low heat while you're doing that, and it can cook for a few hours. You know, just kind of 
you know, mash it up a little bit here and there. Leave it semi-chunky. Uh, you don't have to puree it. You don't have to add anything to kind of make it uh, more stiff, you know, like uh, pectin or anything else like that. You really don't need to. Uh, just leave it fresh. You don't want that feel of canned cranberry yeah. if you're if you're <laughs> starting and making it fresh. It's kind of pointless. So just no pectin, no, no nothing like that. Just leave it exactly the way that it is. Just let it cook down and uh, stir it up. Add a little bit of water or whatever else you need to add in there and uh, just cook it nice and slowly. I know we're not giving recipes out, but uh, that's okay. Maybe 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 we can maybe we can do something, something like that. Yeah, just make it easy on you. So Yeah. Okay, so we've got <clears throat> potatoes, cranberry, stuffing, turkey. What about sweet potatoes? Sweet potatoes, uh, sweet like potatoes, sweet potatoes, yams. Uh, we do that. Uh, we're we're doing what are we doing? Uh, a yam and sweet potato roasted yam and sweet potatoes with uh, Granny yeah. Smith apple, yes. and uh, some uh, roasted off uh, pecans to go along with that, and basically you know brown sugar, butter, uh, the cinnamon and nutmeg again, and you know or you can use fresh thyme in there as well to kind of give it a little bit of uh, earthier flavor to it and kind of sort of cut away on the on the sweetness i mean everything that's in that dish is is sweet enough if you do like that sweet potato yam mixture and they top it with uh, the roasted marshmallows. marshmallows oh god yeah i mean it's it's okay i mean a lot of, like i said it's it's a traditional thing and you can't you can't argue against tradition. I mean, if your grandmother raised you on something like that, then that's kind of what you grew up on, and that's yep. what you'll probably lean toward when you make this dinner for, you know, your family now. And there's nothing wrong with that. I never try to fight with uh, grandma. I never try to over, you know, outcook anybody's grandmother because you never will. Right. You know, so when somebody says, "Oh, my grandma used to make this or that," I'll never say, "Well, I make it better," because that's just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, you don't insult somebody's grandma like that. So, um, you know, do it, do it however you want. So if you want to do the marshmallows, go ahead and do the marshmallows. Just throw them underneath the broiler, kind of broil them up a little bit. Just keep an eye on it uh, with the door open so it doesn't go too quickly. And then you got burnt marshmallows on the top, which not, not, uh, not my thing. Toast is good, but burnt, no. So here is, speaking of burnt stuff, here's mm -hmm. an important tip. In case you start a small huh. kitchen fire, because last week I almost burnt down our house. I oh. um, ha we have the glass top burners, which mm -hmm. I didn't even think could get that hot. Mm -hmm. And I had a pan heating up for maybe a few minutes longer than I thought it was. And as soon as I poured the oil in there, it went up in flames. Wow. And um, so if that happened, luckily I remembered this, even though I was panicking, don't put water on it. Yes. Because I was yeah. telling my friend the story and she was like, oh, I wouldn't have known. She said I would have just dumped water on it. Oh, boy. And then you would burn down your house. Pretty much. Then the, the flame jumps higher and higher. So, And uh, speaking of hot oil, and uh, for the people that are going to try to deep fry their turkey, yes. um, one, make sure you're outside, away from the house, away from your automobile, away from everything that could possibly go up in flames. No flammable things around there, so you know, don't do it near where you uh, have your gas tank for your lawnmower, okay? That's probably not a, not a smart move. So go ahead and make sure you're away from everything and everyone. Make sure your oil is hot but not too hot. Make sure that it's uh, filled but not overfilled because you got to remember once you slowly put the turkey into there and I, I, I stress slowly put the dry turkey into there make sure that there's no uh, 
semi-frozen barnacles inside that turkey or anything else like that because when water contacts hot oil it will come you know it'll just burst uh, and uh, it'll overflow so make sure that the turkey's dry and make sure like I said when you put the turkey in there slowly that you're gonna have enough room that this when that turkey kind of you know pushes that oil upward it's not gonna overflow over your pot and into the flame because once that hot oil hits a flame, man, it's it's up, man. Uh, everybody's going to know you're frying a turkey because they're going to see the flames go higher and higher in the sky. So they'll know, hey, Pete's over there frying his turkey. And look, his house is on fire. So um, don't do that, okay? If you can, you know, make sure that you're, like I said, safe distance from everything and uh, put it in there slowly. And don't drop it in there. And don't have it overfilled. So be careful. Where Good else? Tip. Yes. Where else are we going with this? Dessert. Dessert or pies. Or dessert, gonna, pies, gonna, side dishes. Oh, what about green beans? Green bean almondine. You've got, you've got is, to have your green bean casserole. Oh, God, with yes. With the canned with cream the, of mushroom soup and the, pick, the French the, French's onions. Yeah, the French's onions. I was going to say Funyuns, but those are kind of nasty. But the, <laughs> uh, Yeah, I, I'll i pass on that. Uh, if you're going to do green beans, just do some nice garlic butter, you know, uh, Throw some into there. You know, sliced almonds is fine. Um, you can do some shaved garlic into there as well. Kind of like, you know, sweat your garlic and onion and some butter and blanch your green beans off in the heavily salted water. When I say heavily salted water, we're talking seawater kind of flavor. It's super salty. It's basically going to, one, it's going to season your green beans, and two, it's going to bring out the chlorophyll. So it's going to really, bright, you know, make that deep, dark, beautiful green, which is what you want. Cook it for a few minutes. And then when you're ready, throw it into the pan with the, the butter, the garlic, the onions, and just kind of cook it a little bit longer. Basically, you're just kind of shellacking everything and all that yummy, uh, buttery goodness, and then serve it immediately. So you can do the green beans at a time. You can kind of shock it in uh, ice water when it comes out of the out of the water, but it's just easier just to do it right there, last minute kind of thing. That'll be like the last minute thing you do. So anything green, just do it last minute. You know, so it stays green, okay? Green bean uh, casserole, you don't have to worry about it because that shit, it doesn't matter. The color is gone anyway. It's mixed with that mushroom, creamy uh, stuff, so. So we have these. <laughs> I grew up with that. I know, I know, I know. I still need to have it, but Elton Brown has a really good recipe where he makes like a bechamel instead of okay, okay. that. And then just sautés some mushrooms and you shallow fry shallots instead of the yeah i mean there, there there is nicer ways of doing that but i mean you know since we are a country of convenience we kind of dumbed down the the good recipes of of doing the the bechamel sauce and and doing fried uh, shallots and those sort of things you can make it nice and do it the the old-fashioned traditional way and that's awesome but uh, you know we we cheat and we kind of use that canned uh, campbell's stuff and super salty sodium and chemicals and whatever else is all up in there and uh and toss our green beans or yeah frozen canned canned we had some waste that's what we used to do okay okay <laughs> you can go canned you can go frozen uh frozen is a little stepped up version of uh, of canned but uh, or you can go to the farmer's market and buy fresh that's the best way to do it yeah, yeah so you can do it nicer yep yep so so any other signs that you have that I traditionally do? Yeah. I really can't think of anything right now off the top of my head. I mean, uh, if you do seasonal vegetables, I mean, those are those are always great. Uh, this time of year, you're going to get out here in Arizona. There's a ton of, uh, you know, radishes and, and, and 
red beets and turnips and, and those sort of things, rutabaga, um, that are going to be, you know, the heartier kind of roasted vegetables. And those are great. Brussels sprouts has become the new fad. It's been around for a yeah. while. And, you know, I've loved Brussels sprouts. I mean, I love those things. But anything you can mix with bacon and garlic and some lemon zest and, you know, kind of after you blanch them off and then saute that with all that other good stuff, oh, that's that's perfect. I mean, that would be a great little side dish as well. So it all depends on, on what you like. Okay, so last but not least, yes, pies. Pies. Pumpkin pie, obviously the traditional dessert for the season. If you do that... Uh, we always what we call blind bake our dough so if you bought the store-bought stuff or the easiest thing to do is just buy some parchment paper kind of cut it into a circular uh, form put it inside of your pie dish weigh it down with uh, you can either use uh, like a bean or rice and kind of weigh that down with that and just kind of bake it in the oven for you know 300 degrees 350 degrees I should say and uh, till the crust actually starts cooking a little bit you ever had that pumpkin pie when the the crust on the bottom of it is like soggy and just yep. kind of, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so do it that way. At least bake it for like 10 or so minutes. Um, it sets the crust a little bit. It's not going to make it soggy, and it tastes a whole lot better. And then let it cool. Then make your pumpkin pie filling just like you would normally, and season it however you want. And some people tend to go heavy on cinnamon and whatever <laughs> else like that or, or forget to do any of that. Eggs, heavy cream, your spices, brown sugar, sugar, all the other good stuff. little vanilla extract in there and, and then bake it off, like I said, after the, the crust cools. Apple pie, you can do that as well. And the best apple that we use for that is like Granny Smith. It's going to be a little bit more uh, hearty and will hold up to cooking. So don't use like a Red Delicious. It's mealy and, and just yeah. it, it falls apart. It's very liquidy and just, just garbage for that kind of uh, use. So go with a Granny Smith or something that's going to be a little bit more sturdy and uh, and do it that way. And then feel free to kind of add whatever else to it, you know, like a, we make a pumpkin fresh cranberry pie and uh, that's really good as well. So kind of brings all those flavors together. Pecan. Pecan pie. I do a mean pumpkin pecan pie. So it's like a double layer deep dish. I actually use a springboard pan and put the pumpkin pie in, pour the pecan pie filling over top of that, and then bake that. And it takes about an hour or so. It's awesome. I made a maple pecan pie last year. That so instead cool. of carol, caro, mm-hmm. how do you say it? Carol. Carol. It was maple syrup. And that was so good, but it was oh, yeah. so expensive. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know how much money. I mean, there was so much maple syrup and then the pecans. I probably spent like $20 just to make a pie. Right. But totally worth it, though. It was. And that's the, that's the thing. It's like, don't cheat on the on ingredients. Don't ever cheat on ingredients. Yeah. So when it calls for maple syrup, use maple syrup. Don't use that Mrs. Butterworth and yeah. whatever else like that. Because that's just flavored uh, corn syrup mm-hmm. with maple flavor. There's nothing natural about that whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, pie crust. Yes. Do you, how do you do it? How do you do it? Yeah. How do you do it? I mean, others. Do you? If I'm if I'm doing it for a large group, I'll uh, you know I hate to say it, but you'll you'll cheat. You can buy. Yeah. And there's decent quality ones out there. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Like I said, check the ingredients. Make sure that it doesn't say margarine in there because you don't want to be eating that stuff. If you're going to do that, it's, it's kind of pointless. It's, you know, you eat healthy and everything else like that, and then you turn around and eat that garbage. So don't do that. So read the ingredients if you're going to buy a pie crust. But a pie crust, it's basically flour, some type of either butter or, or shortening. You can use that. I mean, shortening is actually a little bit easier. It's a little bit more forgiving when it comes to patching holes in your, in your pie crust. Butter is... Less forgiving, but more 
more worth the work. Yeah. So if you're going to use, uh, if you're going to make your own pie crust, go ahead and use butter. It's like I said, it is worth it, and it's a really easy ratio. Basically, like a two to one ratio of uh, two parts flour to one part butter, and a pinch of salt and some ice water, and that's basically all it is. You know, make sure that when you use an ice water, you you're putting the water in there, not the ice, and basically just enough water to kind of bind it together, not to, not make a paste but just enough to kind of bind it together. And then just put it in the refrigerator, let it rest for half an hour to an hour, basically let the water kind of, uh, you know, disperse evenly inside of the, the pie crust. And then go ahead and roll it out. Make sure it's chilled. Make sure your surface is chilled. Don't try to work in a hot kitchen with butter, obviously. You know, you know the, the experience of, of that. It's not going to happen. Yeah. It's going to stick. It's going to become uh, tough. Your dough is going to be hard to work with. So work in a clean, cool area. The first time I made a pie, I didn't realize that you had to let the dough rest, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't realize how, you know, you can't just roll it, like, every yes. direction. Yes. And it was, I had a pretty sad, tough crust. Yeah, if you overwork, yeah, obviously overworking the dough will uh, make a tough crust. So we always say that when you work with it, you know, you got a circular piece of dough, start in the center, roll in one direction, come back to the center, roll in the opposite direction, and continue to do it that way. You know, that way you're not rolling from front to back to front to back. All it's going to do is just build up uh, toughness in your dough, overwork it, and uh, the dough, when you stretch it out, will continuously pull back in upon itself. Well, that pretty much covers the traditional Thanksgiving dinner. I think so. I think so. All right. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, and uh, have a happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening to the Food Connection Podcast. Food Connection is brought to you by Classic Cooking Academy in Scottsdale, Arizona. You can find us at www.ccacademy.edu 